French President Macron and Angela Merkel both coming to Washington this week to discuss Iran. That's coming up. Busy Monday, DNC chairman who is suing the Trump campaign and suing Russia for collusion and for meddling with the election. He says that there are mountains of evidence that that Trump campaign colluded with Russia. He said that on Meet the Press to Chuck Todd. Did Chuck Todd ask him the obvious question? Give us one single piece of evidence. Just give me something, any shred of evidence. There's a mountain of evidence, right? And yet he did not ask him that no-brainer. All right, Mike Pompeo, Monday's the day. The Senate Foreign Relations Committee will vote on Mike Pompeo's nomination for Secretary of State. Let me explain what's going on. If they vote in favor of Pompeo, and it looks like they will not, then it goes automatically to the Senate floor, where he's pretty much a shoe-in because uh, Senator Democrat Senator Heidi Heitkamp will join the Republicans, and, and others probably will too. They're nervous about their re-election in pro-Trump states. But here's the deal. If the Senate Foreign Relations Committee votes him down, and remember, all the Democrats are against him, and Rand Paul's on that committee, he's against him. There's only a one-person majority. So if they vote him down, it doesn't go automatically to the Senate floor. Then there's a filibuster rule, meaning they're going to need 60 votes to bring it to the Senate floor. That's going to be harder to do. They're going to need a bunch of Democrats on board. So Pompeo's nomination right now is sort of in peril. However, there's a little asterisk here, which is that McConnell could invoke the nuclear option, which he's done before with Gorsuch. The nuclear option would be changing the Senate rules and saying, we don't need 60. It doesn't mean for everything, but for this nomination, Secretary of State, we don't need 60 anymore. We just need a simple majority of 50. He can override. So that could obviously cause a lot of tension. And we're going to keep a very close eye on this as all the drama unfolds here, probably Monday and Tuesday. Senator Tom Cotton says that the Democrat opposition to Pompeo is 100% driven by politics. Quote, the Democrats, especially on the Foreign Relations Committee, are engaged in shameful political behavior, he said on Face the Nation. Most of these Democrats had no problem with Pompeo. They're still struggling to get over the election of Donald Trump in 2016, and many of you have pointed out Pompeo has not only done such a good job so far as CIA director, but John Bolton, who has been appointed as National Security Advisor, that gets them very nervous between Tom Pompeo and Bolton. And of course, Nikki Haley, you know, as President Trump now gets ready to work with Iran, North Korea and everything else to work on all those, tackle all those issues. The Democrats are very concerned about having hardline people who will actually get stuff done. The councilman in Washington, D.C., who we told you about, who said on Facebook that uh, the Rothschilds, the Jews, control the climate. We told you that he w went on a tour of the, as reaching out to the Jewish community, went on a tour of the Holocaust Museum. He was hosted by prominent Jewish leaders, and he just bounced out right in the middle, just left, didn't even say goodbye. Well, guess what? Now it's been uncovered that he donated $500 of his constituent funds to the Nation of Islam, to Louis Caraf uh, Farrakhan's hateful anti-Semitic organization, the Nation of Islam. $500 of his constituents' money, some special fund. I mean, this man is a rabid anti-Semite. You folks know me. I don't use the term anti-Semite lightly. I almost never, you almost never hear me use that term because if we use it too often, then it loses its meaning, and then people just throw it around. So I'm very careful. This man is a rabid anti-Semite, and he is a city councilman in Washington, D.C. How frightening is that? Follow us on Twitter. I know a lot of you told me that the advice last week helped at the Politics Zone. You text 40404. Follow at symbol the Politics Zone. That's all one word. Now, some of you have told me that uh, if you have a certain type of phone plan, you'll have to re follow every single day. Every day you'll be kind of knocked off and you'll have to do it again every morning. Uh, text 40404, follow at the Politics Zone. Some of you have done it. I, I'm sorry for the inconvenience, 
But, you know, maybe, hopefully it's worth it. But, I look, if you can't do it, I understand that. I, I know you miss the music. I miss it, too. You know, we're only a couple of weeks away from Lag Beimer, but, of course, Fierce Eimer. Somebody left me a voicemail singing a cappella, the Shweki song. That's our opening theme music. Beautiful song. I love this song. Somebody left me a voicemail, so thank you for that. But we're just going to kind of wait it out. Okay, Macron and Merkel. Here's what they said. You know, speaking of these Sunday morning mainstream media left-wing talk show hosts who refuse to ask tough questions. Macron, President Macron was on Fox News with Chris Wallace, and he said there's no plan B. He said President Trump's going to have to stick with plan A with Iran. Stick with the nuclear deal. We can't tear it up. There is no plan B. And Chris Wallace at that point should have. I'm sitting there screaming. Ask him, there is a plan B. In fact, President Trump already laid out a plan B. What do you mean there's no plan B? But he, he didn't ask that, of course. He just asked him all these softballs. He asked him about the handshake with President Trump, where he and President Trump went back and forth, kind of very uh, had a little wrestling match with their hands. That's what he asked about. Very tough question there. Now, President Trump has four demands to, re, uh, to renegotiate the Iran nuclear deal. Number one, make force Iran to stop producing ballistic missiles. They're allowed to do that. Obama never stopped that. Number two, let us inspect their military sites. You know, we're not allowed to inspect their military sites to see if they're developing nuclear weapons. They're, okay, Obama, yeah, we'll, we'll sign a nuclear deal with you, but just, you know, and John Kerry, but just one exception. You can't inspect every single area. Their new military areas, that's off limits. And, well, hey, where should we develop nuclear weapons? Oh, I know. How about in the military sites where they're not allowed to come and inspect? Number three, no more sponsoring terror organizations throughout the Middle East. Hezbollah, Hamas, they're sponsoring ISIS. There's, you know, the the, the rebels in Iran. There, there is just so many. Most terror acts, most acts of terror, most terror attacks that happen on the anywhere in, in the world, not just in the Middle East, are some are in, indirectly or directly or indirectly sponsored by Iran. And yet we can't do anything to stop. Our hands are tied because we're worried that they're going to back out of the deal. And number four, no more sunset provisions. This nonsense that a lot of the provisions in the deal expire in 2025 after 10 years. And President Trump says this cannot expire. Look, Iran has told us, and I believe them, they can resume within four days. They can resume to the levels of uh, uranium enrichment that they were doing before this deal. This deal is bogus, folks. Now, Merkel said the same thing. I want to explain what's going on here with Macron and Merkel. Merkel Angela Merkel, she said, yeah, it's imperfect. I agree this plan is imperfect, but it's better than nothing. She said that also on the Sunday morning talk shows. What's going on here? Merkel and, and, and Macron, I can almost imagine the conversation. Oh, this guy, Trump, you know, he's really being such a stickler for this nuclear deal. He actually cares more about the nuclear deal than he does and about Iran developing nuclear weapons than he does about public image. Doesn't he realize we're all going to look so silly if we tear up the Iranian nuclear deal or if we try to renegotiate it, we're going to look silly. We're going to risk Iran backing out. Iran's going to make us look bad. This guy Trump, you know, why does he care so much if they develop nuclear weapons? Doesn't he realize that politics are so much more important? That's what's going on. So they're saying, listen, there's no plan B. We have to kind of dissuade him. We have to kind of convince President Trump that this is a terrible idea to actually prevent Iran from developing nuclear weapons. Now at the same, so that's what they're doing. They're saying, well, yeah, we agree it's imperfect. They're kind of like tossing him a bone, like, yeah, agree with him, but then tell him it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's imperfect. There's no plan B. You know, we'll humor President Trump. That's what's really going on. And amazingly, they're not bashing him, right? They used to disparage him. They used to they, they used to say things that were very, very demeaning to President Trump, all the European leaders. They don't do that anymore. You know why? Because 
he's actually shown how, how, how capable he is. That's what's really going on. Look, he's got the nuclear deal, deal sitting down with Kim Jong-un right now. And, you know, he's, he's, he's done so much to prevent illegal border across the United States. The whole Russia collusion, Mueller stuff, that's all out the window. He's, he's done these tariffs, and now China's backing down on some of their tariffs. So Trump has shown, and, and he's, look, moving the embassy, and everybody thought that that would be a total disaster and that it would backfire in Trump's face. Other countries now are doing the same thing. So they're seeing, wow, this guy Trump, he gets stuff done. He's not weak like Obama. So they can't disparage him anymore. Now we have to show him, yeah, you're technically right, but let me explain to you why this is a bad idea, President Trump. And we'll see how this all unfolds. But I have no doubt that President Trump's going to back down. By the way, the Iranians are panicking. If you notice, they have all these threats against Israel, against the United States. Why are they so nervous? They're terrified that Trump's going to back out of the Iranian nuclear deal. Now, if, if the deal is so bad for Iran, why are they so afraid it's gonna, that, that we're going to back out? The answer is they benefit tremendously. There's going to be terrible sanctions if they back out. You know, right now they're able to quietly, slowly develop, do all these things that they're doing that we told you about. And they're afraid President Trump backs out. There's going to be heavy sanctions. And uh, we're going to, you know, do everything we can, you know, militarily to try to destroy their nuclear program. So Iran stands to lose, which is what tells me that this is such a good move. Uh North Korea, you know, some of you asked me, are we being naive to believe that he's suspending his nuclear testing? A couple of responses to that. Number one, we could check it out. I mean, we have uh, satellites. We have ways of spying on him. We know the activity, and it's very hard to hide. If you test, we've known about his tests of nuclear bombs and, of course, his tests of launching missiles. There's no way to hide that. So we could check it out. I wouldn't be surprised if we have spies there, CIA, in, in, in the region. Furthermore, my barometer is, you know, even if he's not suspending it, my barometer is if, uh, did it, uh, what I always tell you, did it happen under Obama? Under Obama, none of this happened because Obama literally let uh, Kim Jong-un develop his nuclear program, did nothing, did nothing to even try to interfere. So that, that to me, th this is already a major step, just the fact that Kim Jong-un is so panicky that he's made this announcement. And by the way, Trump won't meet with him unless he verifies this. Furthermore, you know, how did this happen? Is it just President Trump's tweets? No, of course it's not just tweets. There have been heavy sanctions. President Trump has done this multi-pronged uh, attack uh, against, uh, against this, this campaign against Kim Jong-un, very similar to what Reagan did, the strategy he used to defeat communism. He's turned China against China is their number one supplier. He's turned China against North Korea. China has come down very tough on them, and the sanctions have been crippling sanctions if companies have you know north korea is a very poor country they're destitute they use all their money for this nuclear program you know kim jong-un they can't figure out where to fly him to meet president trump because he has such an old airplane it can't go more than two thousand miles i'm serious that's not a joke so they have nothing they're in shambles that country they use all the money to to to, to, to supply their nuclear program president trump put all these sanctions on these companies saying we will blacklist you we will freeze your assets if you do business with north korea they can't get fuel they don't have a nuclear program. So Trump, he's turned public opinion against them, economic, he heavy economic hardship, and it's worked. You know, that's the trick. Well, I don't know why Obama didn't do it. So to me, this is a very big deal because all, everything points to the fact that Kim Jong-un is in big trouble and he's nervous. Uh, and by the way, furthermore, President Trump has shown he's bombed Syria. He's shown that he's willing to go in militarily and take Kim Jong-un out. At least Kim Jong-un is afraid of that happening. Democrats are afraid of that happening. You know, and Trump, he'll fly off the handle, right? He's a loose cannon. So South Korea whispered to Kim Jong-un, hey, this guy, Trump, he means business. You know, he could really come in and destroy it. Kim Jong-un doesn't want what he's worked all these years to, to create. He doesn't want it destroyed by one sweeping moment by the, the United States coming in and swooping in and destroying it. 
Furthermore, my 11-year-old son made a great point. He said, you know, with the Olympics, we were all upset. They were parading North Korea hand-in-hand uh, hand with South Korea, giving them all sorts of media attention, building them up. You know, uh, North Korea was turned into like a celebrity country there in the Olympics. We were, we were very, very troubled by that. But maybe that was all part of the plan. You know, maybe, my son pointed this out, maybe Trump kind of whispered to South Korea, you know what, and to the Olympic people, you know what, let's build up North Korea. Let's show him a taste of what it feels like to be in the spotlight to be respected and maybe that'll tempt him maybe that'll get him excited to kind of join share the spotlight by meeting president trump an amazing point i think that's a really good point there he listens to the show uh, <laughs> every night uh, before he goes to sleep all right what else the doj is investigating james comey to see if the the memos that he leaked to the new york times were classified there is a very strong legal argument to be made that when the fbi director meets with the president then takes notes about it afterwards those are actually considered you know that that's that can actually have a lot of legal significance it could be considered documents that belong to the fbi could therefore be classified memos and some of them were redacted but others were not redacted and uh that might be, he actually might have committed a felony by leaking classified information to the New York Times. DOJ is finally investigating that. I don't know what's taken. We told you about this possibility a year ago when he leaked it. I don't know what's taken so long. Uh, this shooter in Nashville, Rahman al horrible story in this restaurant in Nashville, this Waffle House. This shooter, he uh, obviously a psycho had a lot of psychological illnesses, obviously a, so a sociopath. He tried to attack the White House a year ago, and they caught him. They caught him with a gun near the White House trying to attack, threatening to basically invade, I guess, and kill President Trump. Obviously crazy, but that's what he was trying to do. And they took away his guns. The FBI took away his guns, and guess who they gave them to? His father. They gave them back to his father. So should we be banning guns? Well, look, it's got, by the way, was it uh, an assault rifle? I don't believe it was that he used in the Waffle House. But should we be banning, be banning guns? Is guns the problem? Yet another example of law enforcement dropping the ball, having every opportunity to stop this guy. They gave him. They handed his father the guns. And then he goes and he carries out this shooting. I mean, astonishing. What, what more do we need to say? This is not about the guns, folks. This is about people. Furthermore, this is about law enforcement, the government, who once again is showing their incompetence, and that's leading to a lot of this violence. So this is not about gun control, yet another strong piece of evidence. All right, what else is going on? We told you about Iran earlier, all these threats to destroy Israel. We've heard that for years, but right now it's, it's more serious than ever because of all the tension on the Syrian border with, with Israel. And so much so that the Israelis, this happened several days ago, the Israelis have backed out. There are these uh, Air Force drills over Alaska. The United States has military drills that they do. They act out these simulated scenarios, war games and stuff. And the Israelis are going to send jet planes there, but they're not going to send their F-15 fighter bombers. They're not going to send their F-15 fighter jets because they need to keep them close in case there is an attack from Iran. So they're actually keeping them back for that reason, taking these threats extremely seriously. And finally, Devin Nunez, Devin Nunez said on Sunday that there was no intelligence that led to the FISA warrant. There was no intelligence backing them up to, to, to apply for a FISA warrant and, and, and to receive a FISA warrant to spy on Carter Page, a Trump campaign uh, official. Uh, of course, we know about the Steele dossier and the fact that the FBI, James Comey, they did not disclose that it was paid for by the DNC, by the Democrats, who basically colluded with Russian officials uh, to, to, to try to get dirt and to try to create manufactured dirt, non-existent dirt on President Trump. Then they used that, that, that Steele dossier, which is fabricated phony document 
to apply for a FISA warrant for Carter Pedro. Devin Nunes confirms they didn't have any other intelligence. There was nothing to suggest to them Russia collusion other than the Steele dossier. Amazing stuff. Will the FBI officials who did that be prosecuted? Will James Comey be prosecuted for basically spying on a presidential candidate's campaign? We'll find out as time goes on. All right, that's going to do it for today. We thank you all for joining us, and we will see you next time.